We have been sharing uh, with you the last several weeks about the power of prayer. Jason just explaining that very thing, that prayer is so important. In fact, it's one of the greatest privileges that we yes. have as believers, to be able to talk to God, to go to his throne and pray his will. We've been talking about where we find God's will. It's in the pages of this book. I would say this holy book. Amen. And so this one of the greatest privileges that we have as believers is to learn how to pray. I've been saying that, you know, we all have to start somewhere. I remember when all <laughs> these things were new to us, and I felt like when I'd get into a group of people, how will I ever learn these things? But it really is just the process of just that. You have to just learn by beginning and taking a step. So I would encourage you truly to come to one of the prayer meetings um, the Holy Spirit will meet you there, yes. I think, in ways that uh, will definitely bless your life. And so we are uh, talking about the power of prayer. We've been specifically looking at the Lord's Prayer uh, and unlocking some of the keys to the meaning of that prayer. Sometimes we have, we have all heard the Lord's Prayer over the years. Most people have. But it's been said so many times and so repetitiously but sometimes the meaning, the deeper meaning of what Jesus was talking about when he taught his disciples to pray uh, is lost. And so we've been looking specifically at the themes um, in, those, in the Lord's Prayer. We said the first three parts of the prayer when we say, Our Father who, who art in heaven, holy is your name and your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, we're praying for God's glory. First of all, we're remembering who we're praying to. <laughs> And then we're asking, of course, that his will and purpose be established in the earth. And not just in the earth in general, of course, that's true, but it begins with his people. Because his will has to be established, his purpose for your life has to be known and established in order for his will to go forth in the earth. So it's important that we understand his will. And then the second half of that prayer is about, give us this day our daily bread, it's about uh, our needs, our, that God would be the provider for our, our daily needs and then to forgive us our debts. Mm -hmm. Walking in forgiveness, that's one of the greatest relational needs that we have with one another. And then spiritual needs, the last part of that prayer, deliver us from evil. And um, I'm just going to take a, a moment here before we begin. I'd like to begin with prayer since we're talking about prayer and just use the Lord's Prayer as a guidance for this. So let's just bow our heads, focus on Him and... Uh, we pray to you, Father. We come to you, Father, in Jesus' name. You are our Father in heaven, and we acknowledge you. God is magnificent and holy and righteous and good. Holy is your name. And we thank you that you invite us to be able to come to you and pray. And, Father, we are praying that your kingdom would come. You have a kingdom that you plan from the foundations of the earth, and you will establish it, your word says, when Jesus comes back. And so we're praying, Father, that you use us, your kingdom come, your will be done in our life, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. As you've originally planned, Lord, we have asking for that kingdom and will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray you give each one of us provision for our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things that we need today, Lord, that are sufficient for us. And Father, forgive us our sins. We just take a moment. And we ask you to forgive us our sins. We thank you, Father, that you're faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we, when we ask you to forgive 
and you, we're asking you to help us to forgive others the same way mm. that you've forgiven us. We release our offenses and debts that we feel like other people owe us, Lord, because you've forgiven us of so much. And then lead us not into temptation, Father. Help us to not be overcome by our own weaknesses in the flesh, and, and the devil would get advantage over us. But deliver us, Father, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 So that just gives us a little understanding of how we could take those themes, and you could see how you could just pray those out in so many ways. Uh, but we're going to conclude the series today by looking at the last part of this prayer, the last part of it being Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So over the years, people have found this part of the Lord's Prayer a little bit puzzling, that Jesus would pray, lead us not into temptation. Um, would God ever lead us into temptation? Would he ever lead us into temptation to sin? No, he would not. James 1.13 says this, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted mm -hmm. by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Amen. So it helps us to understand Matthew 6, 13. If you read that all in one unified thought, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Because it's the evil one who is the tempter. We know the evil one is called Satan. Satan. Right? Yes, and in the New Testament, he's referred to as the tempter among other yeah. names, and he started off in the Garden of Eden, and he came and uh, tempted Eve to doubt God's word. Did God really say? Did he really mean? And so, therefore, when she took that thought, she was deceived, but Adam, he just followed right along. He fell into it. He knew what he was doing, but he, he fell right into it, and that's where spiritual death uh, overtook Adam and Eve, and by their submitting to the sin, submitting to Satan, that's when the curse came upon the whole earth. Uh, and uh, prior to Satan being called Satan, the tempter, his name was Lucifer. And Lucifer is, uh, what that means is light bearer. And Satan means adversary. So we can understand if you look at Ezekiel 28, and if you look at Isaiah 14, uh, take a look at those things, mark those, or make a note to yourself, and you can find out the beginnings of Satan, and where he was called Lucifer. And he was created, that's another thing to remind him of, that he is a created being. Yeah. He is not the creator, he is a created being. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he was created a powerful angel. An uh, archangel uh, with Gabriel, Michael, he had the power that those two had. He was in charge of worship in the heaven. He, he was around the throne of God. He was one of the highest ranking angels that there was. He was expressing God's glory, his, God's power, his magnificence, until iniquity was found in him. And in the 17th verse of Ezekiel 28 this is where God is speaking to Satan. He says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. 
You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And he looked at himself and he thought, yep, I'm, I'm top dog here. He thought that he was even more magnificent than God himself. And so, yeah, that's, you know, we say the devil's smart, but in this instance, he's pretty stupid. <laughs> but he has said these I will statements, if you read those two references in the Bible, he said, I will make myself like the most high. I will set my throne above the stars of God. And he then convinced one-third of the angels to follow him. And ever since then, the forces of darkness, uh, the fallen angels and demons are his subjects, really. Uh, They are the archenemy of God. They are the archenemy of everything righteous. They hate you with a passion. And they hate you. One of the big reasons they hate you is because we were offered something that they never were offered. Amen. Forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness. They are hating mankind. They are disrupting anything that is pure, anything that is lovely, anything that is righteous. They hate anything that has to do with righteousness. And they are uh, a usurper of, usurper of authority, and that's why they are taking our authority that God gave to Adam and Eve, and he, he is usurping that authority and manifesting himself all throughout this earth. Uh, he's known as the prince of the power of the air. He's known as the god of this world. He's known as the serpent of old. He's known as the deceiver. And he comes to do what? Still kill and destroy. So you take a look around at the world that we are living in Mm. and take a look and it's easy to see. It's violence, hatred, wars, sickness, fear, pain, greed, pride, power for dominion. Mm -hmm. This is the result of the evil one. You know, many people don't believe in the devil or they think he's just some kind of concept. Right. But he's a very real spiritual being. And he's very active in the earth. And everything that we see in the killing, stealing, and destroying around us in the earth is the result of the evil one. It's the result of sin. It's the result of the fallen nature that ended up in mankind through Adam and Eve's fall in the garden. That's mm-hmm. lodged in mankind until someone is born anew. Born of God's spirit, born of eternal life. And so these things that we see in the world, we have to remember, they're not coming from the Father. They're coming from the evil one. 1 John 5, 19, we don't have this on the PowerPoint, but it says we are children of God. If you're born again, you are a child of God. Let me qualify that, not just because we're sitting in this room, can we say we are all children of God? Not necessarily, But the whole world, it says, is under the power of the evil one. So we are in a spiritual battle every day that we get up. We are in, behind the scenes of everyday life is a spiritual battle that's going on that God is very much a part of also. And Satan is called the father of lies. And the spiritual warfare, where does it take place? We're not, I mean, we do look look in some of our cities, it looks like warfare is going on. But spiritual warfare happens up here, happens up in your thought life. This Uh is where Satan 
and demonic activity has influence and how you think. Because how you think eventually is going to affect what you believe and it's going right. to affect what you say and what you do. But it all starts up here in our thought life. And he will attempt to deceive you to just chase after all the wrong things in life. Everything that goes against what is righteous and good, the plan and purpose of God. This is why it's so important that we know God yes. and we know his purpose and will. Otherwise, we could just be deceived and chase after, spend our whole life chasing after things that will, in the end, do us no good and actually lead us into destruction. But how many people are being lured down that path now that looks good? Come down this path, you'll find the satisfaction, you'll find what you need. And only so often, in the very end, I mean, sin will take you further than you thought you would go and <clears throat> make you stay longer and pay more than what you ever thought yes. you'd pay. And so it leads to tears, it leads to disappointment. Or he'll, I mean, Satan is a creature of pride. Pride was the reason for his downfall. I'll exalt myself. So he works on human flesh in a prideful way. Climb this ladder, strive after this, go up this. This is where you'll find success. People use all their time and energy for that. And then at the top, they find it's leaning against the wrong building. It's like, this isn't the, where I thought it would be. It's like, oh, oh, isn't it? Oh, just go back down and start over again. Mm. Go on this ladder and start to strive and, and, and find your way there. So he, he desires you to just waste your life, really, pursuing the broad road, pursuing things that will just you think you will find satisfaction in. But in the end, it leads to destruction because he knows his ultimate fate is sealed. At the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, Scripture says he will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and we so look forward to that day, Amen. don't we? Yeah. Yes. But in the meantime, it gives him great satisfaction to blind and tempt, to deceive, mm -hmm. and cause people to stumble away from God and take as many into eternal death with him as he can. That's his desire. That's what he's trying to do in the earth. And we, so we know he's at work in the earth, and he's going to continue to work in the earth until that fateful day, until Jesus comes back. But Luke 17, 1 says this then. Jesus said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. I mean, you can't get away from it, right? But woe to the one through whom they come. So Satan will work through people who are yielding to him, who are ignorantly yielding to him, to his ways, to his thinking. He'll use circumstances. Temptations, it says, are sure to come. So right. if, if you don't want the devil to trouble you anymore, you're just going to have to die and leave this earth. Because <laughs> temptations, Jesus said, are just going to happen to all of us. Going back to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And according to what Pastor Mamie said, she's quoting James chapter 1, verse 13, that God is not the tempter, yeah. but Satan is the tempter. We know that God sent Jesus Christ in here to redeem fallen man so that they, they can defeat the enemy's work. Yeah. This is a great scripture. If, if you have your Bibles, it should be underlined in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. This is really something that, you know, when you're dealing with the devil, you know how he talks to you. Well, you need to be talking back to him. Can I hear an Amen. Well, he'll tell you about what's going on in your life, but you, what you have to do is remind him of his future. There you go. <laughs> right. That'll keep him quiet. <laughs> and 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Yeah. 
It says, this reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Yet we, we, we see that also in 1 John it says the whole world is under the power or the influence of the devil. And we don't see everything yet subjected to Jesus Christ, but it will happen. Yeah. And believers who carry around the Spirit of Christ himself, within them, right now, you have the Spirit of, yeah. of Christ within you. You're an occupying army. You're the ones who are supposed to be putting Satan underfoot. Amen. You're supposed to, and I am supposed to be walking just as Jesus walked in his earth walk. He wasn't afraid of the devil. He wasn't afraid of circumstances. He trusted in his God. Mm -hmm. We are on this earth right now as being on this earth. We are his ambassadors. Yeah. That is a lofty position, folks. That is a lofty position. We are to be laborers in the harvest field. We are to be speaking of the soon coming kingdom that God has promised to us. We are to bring people, helping people be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. We have a responsibility. We have an ambassadorship that we must fulfill. We are to become his disciples. We are to be his disciples who make disciples. Again, yeah. Temptation itself is not sin. If we look at James chapter 1, it talks about sin comes in a thought pattern. But what happens, Jesus was tempted like us in every way, yet without sin. You cannot, Brother Hagin said this, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head. But you can prevent them from making a nest in your hair. That means you have to be aware of the way you're thinking. Yeah. Does your thoughts line up with the word of God? James says that if you start rolling around these thoughts these that you know are sinful thoughts, you start playing them out. Everybody know you can run a movie in your head yeah. and it goes on and on yeah. and on. And then they said this and then I'll say this. And then when you start doing that, then that's going to produce the sin. So what we have to do is just like it says in Corinthians, cast down every imagination. Yeah. We don't want to give birth to sin in our think in our thought life. Amen. That's right. Yeah, understand that uh, temptations are all around us. They're all around us. But you and I, because greater is He who's in us than He who's in the world, have the ability. We have the capability of putting that underfoot and not walking into sin. We can resist sin. Right, yeah. And that's what we're to do. So because temptations, like Jesus said, are sure to come to us right. all, uh, it's, and it's a part of the whole spiritual warfare mm -hmm. that we're in to deal with, God is using Satan, the devil, as a tool. Trials, hardships, temptations that come against us, God will use them all as a tool to help us grow in our faith, yes. refine our faith. It becomes a provingness, really, of the genuineness of your faith. How do you know what you believe until you have some resistance? Come on. It's only through when resistance to what you believe in faith comes against us 
Do you even know what you believe, right? So we don't like the process necessarily. No. But God will use it because this is, this is a, a, a major part of our journey in the earth. Jesus said, in this world, you yes. will have distress, frustration, trials, and <laughs> we will have these temptations. So our entire life in the earth has become kind of like a testing ground for this, if you will. It's preparation for eternity. Yeah. And I think if we keep this in mind, we go through the trials and temptations differently. We realize, wait a minute, God's using this as a tool to help refine my faith. I, my perspective changes. Yes. Where I look for hope changes because God's hope is for us to press into him, not run from him, but to press into him when we hit a trial and a temptation. The devil's hope is that you will go, he'll convince you to think God's not for you. You know, if you're his child, why would this be happening to you? And to doubt him and to move away from right. trusting him. So you see, you can go either way in your test or trial, press into God, or you could listen to the voice of the enemy, and move away from God. And so our, these temptations are so easy to come upon us, especially, and we, we can fall into sin when we're physically tired, mm. when we get emotionally worn out. You know, if you go through a season where you just feel like your emotions are just going up and down, when circumstances feel out of control for us, this is when we become most vulnerable often, right? To just act out in the flesh, say something, do something, dumb, destructive, we do what we want to do. We make bad choices then yeah. when we're in this weakened state, if you will. And God is saying, draw your strength from me yes. in those moments when you feel weak. We just sang that song, weak made strong in the Savior's love. It's our perspective, what we do with our thinking in those moments that help us to overcome or we stumble and so the Father's uh, intention for us in our trials is for them to purify our faith. Yes. If we could keep this in mind, it's going to really help and strengthen your perspective. And we see his intention to use trials to test our faith very clearly in the Old Testament. And when you go back and read, especially those first five books of the Old Testament, you could really see a lot of what God was doing, like especially leading the children of Israel. He leads them out of, of bondage, Egyptian bondage, and all these are types and shadows right. of our spiritual life now in Christ. So he leads them out of slavery and, and bondage from Pharaoh, which is a type of our bondage to sin. And he's leading them to the promised land, which is our salvation experience. But he leads them through the wilderness. He takes a route through a difficult place, right? It wasn't a mistake. If you go back and read in Deuteronomy, there was a quicker route. It could have been an 11-day journey. Right. Think about it. It took them 40 years to make an 11-day journey. God purposely took them through the wilderness. Why did he do that? Well, Deuteronomy 8 makes it really plain why he did it. This is really important. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. See, it didn't have to take 40 years, but it did. Right. Because they refused to open their heart to trust and believe in that difficult circumstance and obey what God was telling them. 
to teach them. Deuteronomy 8, 15 and 16 says this, He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless <laughs> land. With his venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your fathers had never known. Why? To humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Well, see, the sad part of that whole story is it didn't go well for them. Right. You know, it would have gone well for them if, if they're in those trials, like when they were not getting the food they wanted and they were not in the environment they wanted to be in. It's like, you let us out of Egypt. Why are we in this difficult environment? We don't like our leaders. I mean, they griped and complained about everything. Instead of moaning and complaining, they would, it would have gone well with them if they were trying to see what God was doing right. to say, you know what? You took us out of slavery and bondage. We'll thank you forever. I don't care how hard this wilderness is. This is better than slavery in Egypt, right? No matter how hard the wilderness is, we, we are going to trust you. Yes. He was looking for a faithful heart. He wanted faithful, just like God was faithful to them. He was looking for a faithful heart to be shown back to him. So God was testing their heart, and we don't like the method that he uses, walking us through a wilderness. Who wants to be in the wilderness, right? <laughs> but it's only often, have you noticed, like when the squeeze is on in our life. Yeah, come on now. Ah, what comes out is a reflection of what's been going on in the heart. And so God, like, lets sometimes that squeeze come to go, I want, it, I want you to see even. He's showing right. us. It's not a surprise <laughs> to God. Oh, is that what's in your heart? <laughs> He knows what's in our heart. It's the squeeze that he allows, and it's like the stuff that comes out. It's like, oh, I see. I need refined yes. here. I need help here. And it's really important to understand this. A person can't show his genuine obedience or trust in God unless they have the opportunity to be disobedient. Yeah. You can say I'm obedient and I trust God all you want. But then, like Pastor Mamie says, when the squeeze comes on, what comes out. And again, it goes back to the same thing. These troubles, these difficulties that we have, they are permitted by God to prove you out. Yeah, to refine our it's, faith. It's in yeah. faith. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Circumstance, difficult circumstances, if we have the right perspective and we understand what's happening in these in these things, it's a great prayer. When you're in a difficult time, to ask God, what are you showing me here, Lord? What are you teaching me here? Yeah. And in 1 Corinthians 10, I mean, it tells us we should learn from their example. Correct. Right? To learn from their bad example. And speaking so, of that, yeah. right. You, there was only two people out of the entire generation that went into the promised land. Yeah. Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look at this, Matthew. This is really a great thing because we just saw how God led Israel out of bondage into where? The wilderness. Matthew chapter 4. Here's Christ. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Same pattern. Jesus had to suffer and he had to learn obedience by what he suffered so that he could be our savior. He yeah. could be our source, our pioneer of our salvation. Yeah. 
Jesus was tempted when he was hungry. Forty day fasting. The devil says, Come and make these things stone or these stones into bread. Satisfy yourself. Do it on your own. Do it on your own. Then he says, Jump off this temple. You know, prove that you are the Son of God. Jump off the temple. If you are, it says the angels will hold you up. You know? And then Satan goes, Bow down and worship me, and then I'll give you all the kingdoms. <laughs> Pastor, maybe when we're writing this up, we were saying, Yeah, compare the kingdoms of this world to the kingdoms of heaven. Yeah. It'd be like, What? <laughs> yeah. That's almost like no temptation. Yeah, right. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. She just brought this up. When we're in a weakened state, that the devil knows exactly that you're in a weakened state. So he's going to turn up the heat, so to speak. But if we have the right perspective from heaven, we will look forward to these tests knowing that I have an opportunity to put the devil underfoot. I have an opportunity to bring about my faith being purified. And Jesus will give us the victory over every temptation, every single one. All we have to do is put our trust in him. We have to know what he has said. That means you need to know what's in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're making it up if you don't know what's in this book. Right. So often, you know, our temptations and trials, we think they're unique we, because they're so, they hit us so personally. Yes. Uh, but... Scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 10, because the devil, I think, often whispers to our own heart, like, you're just different. It's so hard for you. Nobody else understands you. Right. Like you, oh, yeah, it's like almost like your, your difficulty is so special. <laughs> but 1 Corinthians 13, 10, 13, because we are all of the same human nature, mm -hmm. no temptation, it says, has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. This stuff comes against all of us. You know, we can all look a certain way to people on the outside, but generally, we all go through the same kind yep. of difficulty. It says, no temptation is overtaking you except what's common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's good news. Amen. <laughs> but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out. So that you can endure it. There you go. Or withstand it by his grace. See, if we call upon his grace, his grace is his power, mm -hmm. his favor, his ability. It's not just grace of prayer that we, you know, we say grace. We've confused this. Right. But by the power of his grace, he will help us overcome and withstand it. <laughs> Having done all to stand, like it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Come on. Endure it. Yes. Meaning you're not going to give in to whatever it is that Satan is tempting you to do. Jesus is our example. And his strength abides in us. Correct. This is the, the glory part of our salvation. To believe that. Mm. To trust in that. In Jude, in the book of Jude, it That's says he, will, he is able to keep you from stumbling. That's so, good news. So when we pray in faith, yeah, his power will, will be there. It will be there. You may feel like it's your weakest point, but that's all right. In your weakness, he says in, in 2 Corinthians 12, right. that his power rests upon us the strongest. This is the 
paradox of our kingdom. Hallelujah. Because we, in, the, in our natural way, always want to feel strong. And then we feel like, now I'm strong in the Lord. But very often, our strength, we realize God's going to build into us whenever we are at our weakest. Yes. We don't like that. See, our flesh doesn't want to go there with the Lord. <laughs> Look but, at First Peter here. This is just really important for us to understand. The whole idea behind here is if we have the right perspective about our trials, our temptations, then we are going to be able to get through them a lot easier and a lot quicker, I might add. Might not take us, you know, that 11-day journey might only take us 11 days. That would be yeah. great. I mean, we will all go through a wilderness. Absolutely. <laughs> We will definitely go through. If anybody here hasn't been through a wilderness, you've, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Just keep walking. <laughs> Just keep walking, yeah. Here we go. Look what it says, First Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> you who through faith are kept safe by the power of God yeah. for salvation, which is ready to be revealed in the end time. The power of God will keep you. You're being kept safe, even through your temptations, even through your wilderness. Yeah. You're being kept. You're being kept. Verse 6. Be glad about this, even though you may now be distressed by trials and suffer temptations. Look, at their purpose is to prove that your faith is genuine. Even perishable gold, which is tested by fire... And so also your faith, which is much more precious than gold, must also be tested so that it may endure. Now look at this. Then you will receive praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. Yeah. Who's receiving praise? glory and honor we are we are if we pass the test and we go through this test the proper way god is going to reward us yeah so you should be looking for problems tests trials <laughs> well <laughs> should we go that far i don't know yeah. <laughs> it does say count it all joy count it all joy <laughs> but we've got to look at these with the right perspective so if we have the right perspective on these things we can look at them as an opportunity yes, tools to help us grow strong in our own faith and that jesus christ himself will reward us because we went through it and yeah. didn't bail out yeah yeah I this, mean, so often we, who doesn't want an instant victory, oh, right? Come on, everybody. Instant relief. Yeah. This is hard. Yeah. Take me out of here. Beam me up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I remember in my own uh, years ago, when, at the beginning of my walk with, with God and even just understanding the things that the Word of God says, and I, I went through a long period of time. It was several years. A, it was difficult trial in my physical body. I had these neurological symptoms after an inner ear infection that just lingered, didn't go away. They had no medical explanation. They just kept saying, well, I don't know. And I, had, I was an RN, and so you, know, you have some medical background. And so there was just all these what-ifs that would float around in my mind. Well, what if, well, how come this isn't going away? I'd always been healthy before that. And so it was difficult. 
And it was a, I, I, I lived with it night and day, and there was a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety that it would just, it started to grow in me about, oh, I wonder if this is wrong, what, what this is, because you felt symptoms in your body all the time. So I just felt like there was this spiritual battle going on night and day. As soon as I get up in the morning, it's like, oh, I still feel this, and when will this ever go away? And the devil's talking, it's never going to go mm-hmm. away, it's never going to go away. And what's going to happen? And you're probably going to die, and you're probably going to end up in, whatever, in a wheelchair, and what's going to happen to your kids? And it was like, no! So you have this fear rising up, and then the Word of God is saying, by my stripes, I've healed you, and trust in me. Mm-hmm. And so I, as I'm meditating about these things, uh, I would always sense that God is, was telling me, trust me. You know, you need to trust me. But my mind, again, would paint all these bad, the worst-case scenarios, like you said. All of a sudden, you're playing out on a movie screen in your mind what's, what's going to happen. And I felt like the Lord began to show me through the children of Israel and through the stories of, the, of them going through the wilderness it was like, I want you to just sit down with me right here. Just rest with me right here. And I want you to take a look at what you're really fearing. Like, mm-hmm. it, like as if, just take a look at this right in the face. And I thought, I don't want to rest here. I'm tired of <laughs> thinking about these things. I want to run out of here. I, my, my thing was, Lord, send somebody to just lay their hands on me and make this go away. How many of you can understand what I'm talking about <laughs> But I began to see what he was showing me. It was like, I'm going to use this in your life. I'm going to teach you about myself. I'm going to teach you about faith. And it's going to purify and refine Mm -hmm. your heart of this fear that's been in your heart. And he began to just show me a lot of things that it was linked to. Stuff from my childhood, the way I grew up, fears that got lodged in there and perspectives on life. And it was amazing how the Holy Spirit can begin to counsel you Mm -hmm. about these things. And the devil knows your weakest link. See, what gets you anxious? What gets you stirred up? What gets you off track? Well, for me, it was fear. I, obviously, I didn't, th- I didn't know that it was until it happened. And it was like fear that I'm going to die or I'm going to end up, you know, just physically with this terrible disease or something. And this is where then he comes to tempt you. He knows your weakest link. For some of you, it's control. Safety. I have to just have, I have to have everything planned out. I have to know A plus B will equal C all the time, right? For some of you, it's a poor self-image for whatever reason. There's just the insecurity. And so it's the slightest little bit of rejection, oh, like that starts to make you shake. Mm-hmm. For some of you, it's pride. You just have to be noticed. If somebody doesn't notice you, you get all bent out of shape. Some of you, it's, you know, it's money. It's the amount of money you have. Some of you, it's sex. Some of it's pornography. For some of you, it's lying, lying your way to get your way, cheating. It could be gambling, drugs, alcohol. The yeah. devil can use a million things to, to, for our weakest link because yeah. he's watched. He knows human nature. He knows the weaknesses of the flesh. And God wants to strengthen that weak link. So God sees it too. He's like, I need to purify yep. this out of your heart. So that when the devil comes to tempt you, you're not going to shake. You're going to be strong, right? So in those, those years, my faith was getting refined in the fire. Like my thoughts and my yeah. understanding. He kept telling me, you need to bring these into obedience to me. You need to break down the stronghold in your mind and your thinking. Cast down the imaginations. And as I did it, and I'm t- telling you, it took years. Yeah. 
And I knew that the Lord, I knew, I knew he was at work through all of it. I, did I like it? No. <laughs> but I knew that fear was burning off out of my heart. The fear of just control over my own life and the future and putting myself completely in his hands in trust. That's what he was looking for. So he's like, I'm going to use this situation in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, this discipline, like it says in Hebrews chapter 12, this, it, it says this discipline can seem grievous at the time. Right. But it <clears throat> yields a fruit of righteousness in our life. That's the awesome part. See, yes. that's the, I'll do you good in the end. So difficult circumstances can be ordained by God. Yes. You can rebuke them all you want sometimes. <laughs> you can go ask every single person to pray for you that God would release it from you. And it may help a, a little, but if God has ordained that I'm going to use this in your life as a tool to refine what he wants, I know he used it in my life to... Yep. Help me to stand right here and share what I'm sharing with you today. Because I, I knew it was all part of the future that God had for us even in ministry. And so difficult circumstances, when I say all that to say that, that they can be permitted by God as a tool. Right. Not to have you crash and burn in it, but a tool to refine your faith and grow you in your trust in God. You know, sometimes we suffer temptations because it's a direct attack from Satan. But then it's also mostly because of our own wanderings and our disobedience. So yeah. we have to sort that stuff out also. Yeah, right. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, be sober and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Yeah. Now the devil is likened to a lion or a predator. So what does a lion look for in his prey? Weakness, being alone or separated from the herd, staggering behind, you know, caught off guard. Fear, definitely. Inexperience, lions are calculating. They're extremely patient, waiting for that perfect storm, that right opportunity. You know, just like we talked about earlier, that perfect storm is like when you're at your weakest, when you're having, when things start piling up on you. You know, we, it might be difficulty in your marriage. Your kids are sick. You know, your jobs, your supervisor on your jobs, do you think he's picking on you? You're worried about finding all these things right here. It starts to wear you down and the devil knows it. The devil might be saying in there, you know, you're worthless. Or, you know... You've been going to church for a while. You think you're going to the devil might come and say, yeah, you've been doing really good lately. You should take a break. (laughs) A long break. He knows human behavior. Yes, he does. And he knows how to tempt us. He knows how to bring that perfect storm across. And then again, like what Pastor Mame says, we all look for a quick fix, don't we? Nobody wants to suffer. But if we have the right perspective about what's going on in our lives, yeah. we, we will turn into champions instead right. of chumps. It's important. Look at what it says here, Matthew 26. It says, keep alert and pray. This is Jesus' solution to it all. Keep alert and pray. Keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For the spirit indeed is willing, but how weak the body is. 
So it's hard for us to see down the road all the things that may come against us. Yeah. But Jesus knows and he sees. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. Amen. That's encouraging. So this is why it's wise for us to pray before a storm hits us. It's like a preemptive right. <laughs> strike. You know, it's like you, the preemptive prayer like against Satan's attack. Like praying, strengthen me in my weakness, Lord. Like you know, you know these patterns that have been in my life. Help me by your power mm -hmm. to steer me around the devil's trap. Prayers like that are necessary. Yes. This is why even coming to prayer is important. Because it, it, as we pray these things out, you begin to see that these things are like seeds that are going out before you. It's like uh, it's paving the way for the Lord to help you to see these things. And so uh, uh, we're going to take communion here yes. as we finish out um, this message. But we want to remember why we need to pray. Why Jesus said, pray, lead us not into temptation, but to, to deliver us from the evil that to ask the Father to help you understand the nature of the temptations that do come to you and the weakness in your own flesh. Mm -hmm. And ask him, are you using this to refine me, Lord? To drive me deeper to know you. And then ask him, help me to watch and pray. Yes. Help me to watch and pray ahead of time so that I want to be strong. I want to be able to resist the things that I can't even see, the temptations that, and the snares that maybe the devil has planned out there for me. And I think taking communion is just such a vital part, even of reinforcing to our mind and Correct. heart the power of our covenant with God, that He is our helper. He is our defender. He is our deliverer. He's the one who will help us withstand anything, the attack of the enemy, any wilderness trial that we're going through. So the ushers. Yeah. Communion is for believers. If you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, just let these elements pass by. Of course, if you want to accept desire Jesus Christ to as ask your Lord Jesus and into your heart, you, you may feel like he's tugging on your heart this morning. That's right. The Holy Spirit is here. Today is the day of salvation. There is no need to wait. Jesus came to the earth for one purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The devil is the one who brought sin and separation from God our Father. And if you'd like to give your life to him this morning, surrender your life to him. Salvation is a free gift as we pass around the elements. If there's anybody, maybe in the sound of my voice through uh, online, the gift of salvation is offered to you simply for your self-surrender into the hands of God, your recognition for a need for a Savior, need to have your sins forgiven, yes. and your desire for eternal life. Well, if that's you, all you need to say is, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I accept 
the sacrifice that you did on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I'm asking you to come, be my Savior and Lord. And if you pray a prayer like that, it is that simple, and you genuinely mean it from your heart, you will be saved. Your nature on the inside will be changed, made alive to God. Eternal life comes to live on the inside of you. Jesus comes to live on the inside of you by his spirit. So if you had an opportunity to separate these cups, sometimes there's a little bit these of... These government-approved... Yeah. Sometimes we have cups. trouble getting that wafer off the top of the cup. Is everybody ready? We'll just take that little wafer in your hand, a symbol of the body of Christ. On the, at the night of the Last Supper, the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed and go to the cross, he took bread and said he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, you know, when you break this bread, this bread, it's like when you, we break it, it's a symbol of my body that will be broken for you on the cross so that yours could be healed. And so we just, we, we do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. So break that and... Thank you, Father. Then he took the, the cup and he says, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is about the forgiveness of sins for many. His blood shed cleanses us from all sin. It's bigger and deeper than just an act of sin. It's allowing you to receive the nature of God himself. That's what he says. It's being born again, born anew. You're being translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. It's a spiritual renewal. Your, your spirit is born again. It's alive to God. Yes. But it was only by his blood that he did it. And so when we drink this, we're saying, Jesus, we trust in the power of that blood yes. that broke the power of sin, hell, and the grave over our life. And we're, we're, we judge ourselves to live a life that's worthy of the gift of salvation that he's given us. And so we just take a moment, too, to just reflect that, God, you would help us to live a life that is worthy to judge ourselves. Forgive we also us. recognize that you are coming back. Yes. And we want to live this life that's pleasing to you so yes. that we won't be ashamed at your appearing. Yes. Go ahead and partake of that. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the power of that meal, Lord, the covenant meal of communion. Worship you, Lord.